In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, God willing, today we're going to continue studying in, in the book, The Shepherd of Hermas. Uh, we have discussed uh, the five visions at the beginning, and then we've discussed the 12 mandates, and then now we are discussing the parables. There are 10 parables in total. We've discussed the first eight so far, and today we're going to speak about the ninth. Um, the ninth is the longest of the parables, and it's also one of the most interesting. Again, this book is a prophetic book. Uh, uh, kind of written in the theme kind of the the same way kind of like the style of the book of revelation where this man is seeing all these different visions um, and then the visions are being described to him to explain what they mean and he is told to share this information um, with the church so hermes the one who is seeing these visions he sees that there is a huge plain uh, with these 12 mountains okay and then he is describing um, the mountains the 12 mountains he says the first was black as pitch the second was bare without any vegetation. The third was full of thorns and thistles. The fourth had had half-dried herbage, the top of the grass green, but the parts near the roots dry, while some of the vegetation became scorched by the sun. The fifth mountain had green vegetation, in spite of the fact that it was rough. The sixth mountain was full of crevices, some of, the s some of them small and some large. However, the crevices contained plants not very flourishing and apparently withered. The seventh mountain contained smiling vegetation, and it was flourishing everywhere, with all kinds of cattle and birds feeding on it. And the more the cattle and birds fed, all the more did the vegetation on that mountain blossom. And the eighth was full of springs, and every kind of creature of the Lord was provided with water from the springs on that mountain. But the ninth mountain was completely devoid of water and was utterly destroyed. However, there were wild beasts and deadly serpents that destroy men. The tenth mountain had huge trees affording complete shade. Under cover of them, sheep were resting and chewing their cud. The eleventh mountain was covered with trees, fruit-bearing trees, each adorned with different fruits. A person seeing this fruit would be moved with the desire to eat of it. The twelfth mountain was all white, and its sight was attractive. It was most imposing in itself. So these twelve mountains um, are all going to later be revealed as being representing twelve different types of people. And they're going to hewn stones from these mountains and, and try to add these mountains into this big tower, and the tower represents the church. So just as the body um, is one, uh, so all the body of Christ, the church of Christ. So we are taking like from all of these different people and offering them salvation in the church to make them part of this tower. And so later on, we're going to see what happens um, with these stones. In the midst of this plain where there is these 12 mountains, there is a huge rock that is larger than the mountains, and there is a gate that is newly hewn in the rock that was glowing, okay? And around the gate were 12 virgins that stood ready to carry a load on their shoulders. Then Hermas, he saw six men that were commanding a multitude of other men. The six men commanded the others to build a tower on top of the gate. So this is the tower that represents the church. The virgins also told the men to hurry in building the tower. The six men gave orders for stones to be brought from the abyss to build the tower. Then ten glistening uncut square stones came up. Then the six men called to the virgins and bade them carry all the stones destined to go into the building of the tower, walk through the gate, and pass them on to the men supposed to build the tower. So this is an important point that all of the stones that are uh, going to be used in the tower are first passing through this gate. And we'll talk more about that later. 
Then the virgins heaped the first ten stones that came out of the abyss on one another and carried them in one load by their united effort. These ten stones became the foundation of the tower. Then twenty-five, then thirty-five, and then forty more stones came and were used to create additional levels of the tower so that there were four stories of the tower. So the, the first level of the tower was, was made up of ten stones, and then the next level made up of twenty-five stones, and then thirty-five, and then forty, and these made up the first four floors of the tower. Then stones of various colors were brought from all the mountains. So all the stones from all the mountains were brought. They were hewn by the men and handed to the virgins who carried them through the gate to be placed in the tower. So notice also these stones are coming through the gate. When the stones were placed in the tower, they became all white. So even though they were of many different colors when they came, when they were put in the tower, they became white. However, not all the stones that were brought became white. Okay, so he says what? Some stones handed in by the men for the building did not become shining but turned out to be of the same color as when they were being put into the building. For they had not been handed along by the virgins, nor had they been carried through the gate. These stones were unsightly in the building of the tower. When the six men saw the stones were unsightly, they gave orders that they be taken out and carried down to the particular place from where they had come. And they said to the men who were bringing the stones in, You must not bring in stones at all into the building. Place them beside the tower for the virgins to carry them through the gate and hand them into the building. For if these stones have not been carried by the hands of the virgins, they cannot change their colors, so do not labor to no purpose. So he's saying, if you try to bring the stones directly to the tower, okay, they're, 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 they, 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 they cannot be used. They have to go through this process where they are given to the virgins going through the gate. Then the construction was paused and the builders left to rest while virgins remained to guard the tower. Hermas then asked the shepherd about what he saw and what it meant. The shepherd responded that he would explain in a few days. So he says, let us go to the tower, for the owner is coming to take a close look at it. So we went to the tower, but absolutely nobody was with him except only the virgins. And the shepherd asked the virgins whether the master of the tower had come. And they answered that he intended to come and look at the building. Um, so then the tower is inspected by the master. He says, Behold, after a short while, I saw an array of many people advancing, and in the midst there was a man taller in stature than the tower. Now the six men in charge of the building were walking with him on his right and left. All those engaged in the building were with him, and many other distinguished persons were about him. The maidens who kept watch on the tower ran forward and kissed him and began to walk beside him around the tower. The very tall man examined the building carefully, even handling the individual stones. Taking a staff in his hand, he struck each individual stone placed in the building. After his blow, some stones became black as soot, some rotten, some showed cracks, some were chipped, some were neither white nor black, some rough and did not fit into the other stones, and some had many spots. Such were various appearances of the rotten stones found in the building. So this man, they call him the master of the tower, who was very large in stature, when he came to the tower, he had this... Um, staff in his hand and he would strike the different stones that had been placed in the tower and some of them showed obvious signs of decay or cracks and so on on the stones and it became clear that these stones could not be used for the building of the tower therefore he gave orders that all these stones be transferred from the building and placed beside the tower and other stones be carried in and used as replacements the builders asked him from what mountain he wished stones to be carried and used in their place, but he did not command stones to be carried from the mountains. Instead, he commanded them from a nearby plain. 
When the plain was broken, brilliant square stones were found and some spherical ones also. And any stones that were in the plain were all carried and borne through the gate by the virgins. The square stones were trimmed and put in the place of those that had been removed. The round stones were not fitted into the building because they were too hard to trim and it took too long. But they were placed beside the tower because they were destined to be trimmed and placed in the building for they were extraordinary brilliant. So he found these other stones that were in the plain and he brought them. Some of the stones were, um, uh, were brilliant square stones which were able to be used. Other ones were spherical that had, it had to be trimmed in the future in order to be included. The Lord of the tower called the shepherd and asked him to clean and trim the stones around the tower which had been cast out so that they can fit in with the others. So those, those uh, uh, stones that had been cast out, that had been rejected, are now the, the, the Lord is telling this shepherd to clean them and to prepare them so they can be placed in the tower. Um, and those who do not fit should be thrown far away. All the stones were to be cleaned and used in the tower or else thrown far away so that when the Lord comes, the approach to the tower is clean and tidy. The marks left by the stones that were taken were leveled so that everything around the tower was clean and there was no kind of remnants of the stones there. The shepherd then inspects all of the different types of stones around the tower. Some of them had turned black and were discarded. Others were to be used, and so they were trimmed and cleaned and used in the tower in various ways according to their characteristics. Then they turned their attention to the round spherical stones that were very brilliant. In order to be used in the tower, much had to be cut off. Twelve beautiful women were then called, dressed in black. Their shoulders were exposed, and they had long hair. They looked savage. The shepherd gave them orders to take up the stones that were rejected from the building and carry them back to the mountains where they came from. After this, there were no more stones around the tower. The tower was complete and appeared as though it was made of a single stone with no joints. All of the pieces fit together perfectly. The entire site was cleaned and Hermas asked again what all this meant. The shepherd had to depart for a time and told him he would explain everything when he returned and he placed Hermas in the care of the virgins um, that were there. Hermas remained with the virgins until the shepherd returned the next day, and now the shepherd was ready to explain everything that he had seen and what it all meant. So he starts this explanation now of all of this vision. He says, in the very first place, I said, tell me this, what is the rock and the gate? Remember, there is this very large rock that is bigger than all the mountains, and on that rock is hewn a gate, and the tower is built on top of this, and all of the stones that are destined to be put in the tower first have to pass through this gate. So he's asking, what is this gate? This rock and this tower, he said, is the Son of God. But sir, I said, how is it that the rock is ancient, whereas the gate is new? Listen to me, he said. You, you will know why, foolish man. The Son of God is born before all creation, and so is counselor to his Father and his creation. For this reason, he is ancient. But sir, why is the gate new? I said. Because, he said, he has, been, he has manifested himself in the last days of the consummation of things, and for this reason the gate is new. In this way, those who are destined to be saved enter the kingdom of God through the gate. So the gate represents what? What is the gate? Hmm? Christ, the Son of God. Okay? And he says the, the rock that this gate is hewn in is old, right? And that represents what? Represents that Christ is eternal, that he is ancient, okay? The Son of God is ancient. 
But the gate that is hewn in the rock is new. What does that represent? The manifestation of Christ in the recent days, the incarnation, right? So you have the ancient rock representing the Son of God being ancient, and then you have the gate that is new, hewn in the rock, representing the incarnation of Christ and his manifestation on earth. Then he says, um, where are we? Do you not see, he said, that the stones that have entered through the gate go into the building of the tower, whereas those that have not so entered are cast off and sent back to their original place? Yes, sir, I said, for that reason also nobody enters the kingdom of God without receiving the name of his son. So there is no salvation. There is no way to enter into the tower and be part of the church without first entering into the gate, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive the name of his son. For if you desire to enter some city that has a wall all around it and only one gate, you cannot possibly enter without going through the available gate. How else, sir, I said, could one enter? In the same way, you cannot enter a city except through this gate. So no human being can enter the kingdom of God except by the means of the name of his beloved son. So the son of God is the gate. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you go through the gate of this tower, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he said, the crowd of tower builders. Yes, sir, I said, these persons are all glorious angels. By them, the Lord is walled about. But the gate is the son of God, the only entrance to the Lord. Therefore, no one goes into him except through his son. You have seen, he said, the six men and the noble tall men in their midst, the one who walked around the tower and rejected the stones from the building. Yes, sir, I said. The noble man, he said, is the son of God. This was the master that went and inspected all of the tower after it had been built and used his rod to, uh, to, 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 to touch the stones, and some of them um, revealed that they ha were corrupted. So he says, the noble man is the son of God, and the six are the glorious angels who guard him on the right and on the left. None of these angels, he said, will go before God except in his company. Anyone who fails to receive his name will not enter the kingdom of God. There is no salvation without Christ. Now about the tower. What is it? This tower, he said, is the church. And the virgins, who are they? They are holy spirits. It, is, will, it will be found that no man will enter the kingdom of God in any other way unless they clothe him with their raiment. For, he, uh, for if he only receives the name without receiving the raiment, the raiment is like the clothing or the covering. For them, it is of no avail. The virgins are the powers of the Son of God. If you bear the name without his power, you are bearing the name to no purpose. How, sto how the stones... But now the stones you saw rejected are those who bore the name but did not put on the virgin's raiment. So they're saying you, not only do you have to pass through the gate, but you have to be carried through by these virgins. Okay? These represent the stones that entered the gate and were placed in the tower um, but became corrupted and were taken out of the tower. The ones that were not carried in by the virgins through the gate are the ones who became corrupted afterward. Now, sir, these rejected stones, why are they rejected? They have come through the gate and have been set in the, in the building by the hands of the virgins. Since you show interest, he said, and inquire accurately, I shall tell you about the rejected stones. They, are, they are all received the name of the Son of God as well as the power of the virgins. So on receiving these spirits, they obtained power and were associated with the servants of God. 
Theirs was one spirit, one body, and one raiment, for they had the same mind and practiced justice. However, after some time, they were led astray by the beautiful women, who you saw dressed in black garments with bare shoulders and hair hanging down loosely and beautiful in form. At their sight, they were filled with desire for them, clothed themselves with their power, and shed the power of the virgins. Therefore, they were ejected from the house of God and handed over to the women. But those who were not led astray by the beauty of these women remained in the house of God. There you have, you have the interpretation of the rejected stones. So who are these rejected stones? After they had passed through the gate by the virgins and placed in the tower to be part of the church, they still were subject to temptation by these 12 women wearing these black, clo black clothing, led astray by them, and they were ejected, rejected from the tower and led away by them. Now, sir, I suppose that these men, in spite of their condition, should repent and put off their desire for these women and return to the virgins. And suppose also that they walk in their power and in their deeds. Will they not enter the kingdom of God? They will enter, he said, if they cast off the works of these women and assume the power of the virgins, so as to walk in their deeds. That is the reason there was a pause in the building, so they could repent and return to the building of the tower. However, if they do not repent, then others will enter and they themselves will finally be rejected. So after these stones, these people were led astray, there was a pause in the building to give them an opportunity to repent and to come back again. Again, we mentioned this before, I believe last week, when speaking about how God gives so many opportunities for repentance. It is not like the first time somebody fails, makes a mistake, commits sin, that God is quick to judge them and they are immediately rejected and they are not accepted again. But many, many, many opportunities, you know, um, for, for each person to come and to be part of this tower. And, and if they are, are rejected, they have an opportunity to repent and to come again. Now, sir, explain why it is that the tower is not erected on the ground, but on the rock and the gate. I shall tell you. The name of the Son of God is great and incomprehensible and supports the whole world. Now, if the whole of creation is supported by the Son of God, what do you think of those called by him who bear his name and walk in his commandments? Do you see the kind of persons he supports? Those who bear his name with their whole heart. Therefore, he has been made their foundation and gladly gives them support because they are not ashamed to bear his name. So the whole church is based on the, built on the name of the Son of God because he is the foundation of the church, right? He is the cornerstone of the church. Now he's going to speak about the names of the, of the women and the virgins. So, Sir, let me know the names of the virgins and of the women dressed in black raiment. So the women's dressed in black, those are the ones who led astray the people who had come into the tower. I shall tell you, he said, the names of the virgins standing at the corners the stronger ones. These are the ones who are leading the people into the gate. So these are the good, the good angels, these virgins. The first one is faith. The second is continence. The third is fortitude. The fourth is long-suffering. The others standing between them in the middle are called simplicity, innocence, purity, cheerfulness, truth, understanding, concord, and love. So all of these virtues are like what is bringing the people into the, into the tower because they are bearing these virtues on them. The person who bears these names and that of the Son of God can enter the kingdom of God. Let me also tell you the names of the women with dark raiment. So now these are the women who led the people astray. 
The first is unbelief. The second is incontinence. The third, disobedience. The fourth, deceit. Their companions are called grief, wickedness, licentiousness, irascibility, lying, foolishness, slander, and hatred. The servant of God who bears these names can indeed see the kingdom of God, but cannot enter it. So, so even those people who bear the name of Christ, who entered through the gate, and yet they bore in themselves these vices like unbelief, disobedience, deceit, grief, wickedness, all of these, they were led astray by these temptations and they were removed from the tower. Now these stones, sir, that have been taken out of the abyss and fitted into building, what are they? The first ten uh, put into the foundations, he said, are the first generation. He's speaking now about the first four floors. The, the stones of the first four floors did not come from the 12 mountains like all the others, but were these special stones that came from this abyss, okay, and put into the building. The first 10, the first floor is made of 10, put into the foundations, are the first generation. The 25 are the second generation of just men. The 35 are God's prophets and ministers, while the 40 are the apostles and the teachers who proclaim the Son of God. So the very first four floors of the tower are built upon those servants of God that he called long ago to begin to preach and to teach and to be kind of like the, the foundation of the church. Sir, tell me another thing. Why did the stones that had borne these spirits go up from the abyss, and why were they put in the building? They had to ascend by means of water in order to be made living. Otherwise, they had not shed the death of their former life. They could not enter the kingdom of God. Those also who deceased so received the seal of the Son of God and entered the kingdom of God. For a man is dead before he receives the name of the Son of God, but he, when he receives the seal, he puts off death and receives life. The seal, therefore, is water. The dead go down into the water and come out of it living. Therefore, this seal was proclaimed to them, and they put it to use to enter the kingdom of God. So he's saying that these stones first go into the water, and then they come up out of it again, and this is a symbol of baptism, that anyone who wants to be part of the tower has to first be baptized, and that they are dead before they enter into this water. Now he goes through this long section, which essentially goes into detail about each of the mountains. I'm not going to go into detail about all of it, um, if you want to read it, that you can. But essentially he speaks about all the characters of the different types of people. Again, there's 12 mountains that he described at the beginning um, based on their appearance. And so here he kind of goes an explanation of what each type of person is and how there were some people who um, were, were, you know, it was very difficult for them to enter into the tower because of their vices, because of who they were and their, and their deeds, whereas others of them were much more likely to enter um, the tower. He speaks about how the sins of the believers are more serious. He says, sir, how did they come worse after having known God? Like, how is it that someone who came to the tower, knew God, was put into the church, how is it that they sinned against God? The person who has not known God and commits wickedness receives some punishment for his wickedness. But the person who has known God is required to do no wicked actions and must do good. The person who ought to do good, having known God and still acts wickedly, certainly seems to commit a greater wickedness than the person who does not know God. For this reason, then, those who have not known God and act wickedly are sentenced to death, whereas those who have known God and have seen his mighty works and yet act wickedly for the second time will be punished and will die forever. 
In this manner the church of God will be cleansed. Just as you have seen the stones removed from the tower and handed to the wicked spirits to be cast out among, uh, along with them, and so to leave one body of the cleansed, uh, so also did the tower become as one stone after its cleansing. So he's saying that the, those people who sin after becoming believers are going to be punished uh, more harshly and the, and the whole tower needs to be purified from them and cleansed so that it can become as, um, as one stone. So then here, this is where he goes through the, the mountains. I'm going to just kind of go through this. Third mountain, fourth mountain, fifth mountain, sixth, all the way through here. Okay, these are the 12 different mountains, again, representing um, different people, okay? Um, we mentioned those spherical stones that he had said before. He says, the other stones that still remain spherical and were not fitted into the building, because they have not received the seal, were put back in their original place. For it turned out that they were round. This world and its empty riches have to be cut away from them. Then they will dwell in the kingdom of God, they must enter God's kingdom. God has blessed this innocent kind. Not a single one of this group will perish. For though one or the other may sin because of the devil's temptation, he will quickly return to his Lord. So this spherical stone, it's like you have to make it square in order for it to fit in the tower. And to make it square, you have to cut off the rounded parts, which means you have to detach it from the worldly things. You have to cut off the things that it's attached to, just like a person who is maybe attached to wealth or attached to different things, has to be separated and detached from those things in order for them to be able to draw closer to God. Finally, this is the last parable. It's very short. Um, uh, the power and the dignity of the shepherd. So the shepherd is the angel who was revealing all these things to the man. So it says, After I had written this book, the messenger who had handed me over to the shepherd came uh, to the house I was in and sat on my bed. On the right stood the shepherd. Then he called me and said, I handed you over with your household to the shepherd so you could be protected by him. Yes, sir, I said. So if you want protection from all annoyance and cruelty, if you want success in every good work and in every word, if you want power of justice, walk in the commandments of the shepherd, the commandments I gave you with them, you can overcome um, all iniquity. And so um, he is, he's put in, in like this pr protection of the shepherd. And he finally exhorts Hermas to remain true to his calling. He says, acquit yourself manfully of this office. Tell every human being of God's wonders and you will find favor in this office. Thus, everybody who walks in these commandments will live and will be happy during his life. But anyone who disregards them will not live and will not be happy in this life. Tell all who can perform charitable acts not to lag in good works that this is helpful to them. So all you who have received from the Lord perform works of charity lest while you are delaying the building of the tower be finished for your sakes. The building of the tower has been interrupted. So if you do not hurry to do right, the tower will be finished and you will be left out of it. After speaking to me, he got up from the bed and left, taking along the shepherd and the virgins. However, he assured me that he would send the shepherd and the virgins back to my house. So this is um, finally like a calling for Hermes, this man who was receiving this vision, to live a godly life and to teach others as well about this vision, which is why in the early church it was read and, 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 and passed around to be read by all of the churches um, because it was like a message that kind of gives us a glimpse into the judgment of God through kind of these parables and through these ways and visions and, and symbols that we can kind of understand. 
So I just wanted to share it with you so that you become familiar with it. I know it was a lot of reading, um, but I wanted to give you kind of a flavor of what's here. You know, a lot of times we, we speak, uh, uh, you know, we have sermons and we teach about this is what the church says or this is what the church fathers say. This is what this person says, this person says. But I wanted you to kind of get a sense of this is the full work. I mean, we read a lot of it actually here in this series. So you can actually get a flavor and a taste of it and maybe be encouraged as well to go and read on your own more of this and, and other things um, as well. Yes, any final comments or questions before we conclude? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day, and for every blessing that you give us, and everything, O Lord, that you offer to us that we do not deserve. Have patience with us, O Lord, and help us to live a life of purity and righteousness in your sight. Help us, O God, to read the writings of the church and to find in them all of the the treasures that you want us to find to help us to live our life in godliness to have hope and joy in our salvation and to live a life with you at all times through the prayers of saint mary archangel michael saint paul saint mark and all your saints hear us as we pray thankfully our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in Christ Jesus our Lord for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever amen the love of God the Father the grace of the only begotten Son our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ the communion the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all go in peace the peace of the Lord be with you all amen